0: This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Go to GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G O M O T O.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. Waymo is the leader in developing autonomous driving technology, but rivals are gaining fast. We'll dive into the company's strategy a little later in the show. First, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. We'll begin with an update about the burning cargo ship carrying about 4,000 Volkswagen Group vehicles, a port official saying that the fire has lost intensity because there's probably little left to burn. The ship is carrying VWs, Porsches, Audis, Bentleys, and Lamborghinis. It caught fire in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean on Wednesday. The 22 crew members on board were evacuated under safe, and are safe, two large tugboats with firefighting equipment were expected to arrive today. U.S. economist Patrick Anderson estimates the loss could be as much as $335 million. Staying with the VW Group, where plans are being made for an initial public offering spinning off the Porsche brand, VW saying today that it has negotiated a framework agreement with Porsche for an IPO, confirming plans that have long been a subject of speculation. The agreement must be approved by the management board and the supervisory board. A final decision has not been made. Reuters estimates that Porsche's value could top $100 billion. Some earnings news, in case you missed it before the weekend. Renault has returned to profitability after two years of losses. The French automaker reported a net profit of $1 billion in 2021. It will need almost a decade of such results to make up for 2020 when it lost $9.7 billion. Renault, which is Nissan's alliance partner, says the boost follows the start of a vast restructuring to reduce fixed costs and refocus on the company's most profitable car models and markets. Stateside, Vizdion says supply chain issues, the global microchip shortage, and commodity cost increases all took a bite out of its business last year but the maker of automotive cockpit electronics says it intends to pass along the majority of cost increases to its customers tier one suppliers have been especially hit hard by the chip crisis they're caught in the middle of pricing demands from their suppliers and customers who are trying to limit cost increases all while production schedules remain volatile and unpredictable and finally in product news Ford CEO Jim Farley says the Ranger Raptor will come to the U.S. next year. He announced the move in a tweet on Monday. Enthusiasts have been clamoring for the midsize performance pickup since Ford reintroduced the Ranger to North America for the 2019 model year. Ford unveiled its next-generation global Ranger Raptor earlier today. And that's the news you need to know. What's it like to take a ride in a real robo-taxi? Our Pete Bigelow has done it. I'll ask him about it after this.
0: Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive.
2: Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in in a timely manner.
0: There's times where menus are passed over, where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service, and now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time.
2: The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in, it helps them be more efficient, it helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately $130,000 in service gross. The kiosk in the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing. One hundred percent. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable.
0: Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com.
1: Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. Yes, there really are robo-taxis. They can't go everywhere, but they can get around parts of suburban Phoenix. Our Pete Bigelow took enough rides to report that it's kind of boring, which is good. To help us understand the company's strategy, how the competition stacks up, and where Waymo is going from here, I asked Pete to join us and talk about his Automotive News cover story. Pete Bigelow, welcome back to Daily Drive.
3: Thanks, Jamie. Good to be here today. So I understand uh, you were
1: out in Arizona and got to have some time with Waymo. It's, uh, of course, uh, great reporting, uh, front page story in this week's Automotive News. I not to brag. I got to ride in a in a waymo Pacifica almost half a decade ago. It did have a, a human behind the wheel to make sure things didn't go wrong. It was kind of just around the the Google X headquarters area there in uh, Silicon Valley but you know it was, a, it was a thing to do. But here you've just been in the latest greatest uh, version of the Waymo driver. Were you actually riding without anyone, Behind the wheel
3: that's exactly right, Jamie uh, this was a actual SAE level four driverless car with no human safety driver behind the wheel in commercial operation so that sounds like a mouthful but uh, but in short, this was the real deal actually happening in Chandler, Arizona as as waymos conducted these operations without human backups and commercial service since uh, I think the summer of 2019 so uh, you know the pandemic occurring since then. I finally got a chance to get down there and check it out.
1: So this was a commercial ride. Did you did you pay for it? How far did, did you get to go?
3: Yes, I, I mean I took a few of those rides while I was down there. Uh, since then, since that was kind of uh, the big point of my trip. But uh, I think the first one cost me eight dollars and forty two cents to go about five miles from my hotel to a, a local Whole Foods and. Uh, you know, it was probably on par with the cost of, of other ride-hailing services, and uh, you know, this was this was a non-scripted drive. As you know, like you were saying before, as as members of the the media here, we sometimes get to check out these technologies, um, you know, in advance or, or pre-commercial. But this was a a commercial robo-taxi service in uh, in practice, and, and it was kind of funny. It felt kind of lonely. It was just me sitting in the car and. After a while, I did what probably anybody else would do. I pulled out my phone and just started, uh, you know, checking out Twitter and Facebook and kind of going about my my business on the screen there.
1: One more thing about the the ride. So there's not a human driver on board, but do they have remote uh, observation that if something went wrong, if a coyote ran out into the road um, and the car got confused, uh, there would be a a remote human who could take it over and, and help navigate.
3: So, so I'll not to split hairs here a little bit. They do have remote assistance available. Should, should I need it? And I think we, uh, you know, we saw that in practical use last year when there was the story involving a, a passenger named Joel Johnson, who was recording his ride and, and he ran into some trouble and needed that help. Um, but it's not a, the remote help is not uh, someone who will patch in and directly control the vehicle. They might send it navigational directions, um, but at no time does anybody else actually control the vehicle as it's moving. And then they, Waymo does have a remote team that would come out then, and a human theoretically would then drive the car where, where I needed to go if, if it kind of ran into uh, troublesome or confusing situation.
1: Okay, so with a, no, tell me all the the modifiers, you had a a commercial, uh, driverless, uh, level four.
3: (laughs) Yes, I mean, (laughs) uh, the the real deal, the thing that the industry has actually been trying to to achieve for some time now. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny, like we get pessimistic waiting for this to reach uh, widespread deployment or waiting for other companies to deploy. And kind of one of the reasons I wanted to go down there in the first place was that that Waymo has been running this commercial service. They're getting paid for, for providing a ride-hailing service with no you know, human safety backups behind the wheel. Uh, and I wanted to check it out and see how this functions in the real world.
1: But how much of the real world does it cover? I know you've got that, the Phoenix area. Is it, is it all of Phoenix, all of, all of Phoenix broadly? How, how close is it to being able to go national?
3: This is a great question, Jamie. Uh, the, the short answer is it's not even, you know, around Phoenix t- to a large extent. It's in Chandler uh, and part of Tempe. Uh, it's a 50 square mile uh, geofenced service area. Uh, some of the, One of the big limitations I found to it was it does not go to Arizona State University in Tempe. Uh, it does not go to Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport. And those I have to imagine are lucrative pickup spots and, and destinations. So... Um, you know, that they can't get there yet means it's, it's certainly not close to national, uh, you know, whatever we might think of as a widespread or national deployment. But, but Waymo's answer to that is essentially that it might be taking longer uh, on this front end than, than many people would like or, or have envisioned. But they believe that they're building competencies in, in particular scenarios uh, that are not specific to a, a particular vehicle type nor a particular location. So once they kind of get this critical mass of, of core competencies unlocked, then they believe they'll be able to quickly scale elsewhere.
1: You mentioned not being tied to a certain type of vehicle. Of course, they already, they've got the, the minivans and the Jaguars and they've got a new uh, specialty vehicle coming from, from Geely or Zeeker, uh, but they also do heavy trucks. Is, is anyone else trying to do both at this point? both cars and, and big rigs?
3: Yeah, that's a great question, Jamie. Uh, not The answer is not really. I think um, that the company and competitor that might be most like Waymo is Aurora, which is, of course, run by Chris Urmson, who's the former head of the Google Self-Driving Car Project. Uh, their approach is similar. Uh, they, they are building a driver that can be transferred between minivans and Class 8 trucks, just like Waymo. Um, Aurora is different in that they do a lot of development and simulation versus the, the real-world uh, programs that Waymo has set up. Uh, Aurora is different in that they're planning to deploy trucks first. They don't yet have a middle-mile vehicle like Waymo working with the Ram ProMaster. So uh, I would say that they're probably the most similar company, but, but there's some, some of those key differences too.
1: Are there any other competitors that uh, Waymo... Is looking over their shoulder at
3: yeah, yes and no, I mean, I think if you look at the specific applications, yes, clearly we see crews making a lot of noise in San Francisco about an uh, imminent deployment they're enrolling uh, riders certain riders into their program, which is going to you know ostensibly soon deploy on limited routes during limited times in San Francisco, and on the robotaxi front in the u s that's They're the ones who are probably closest to to knocking on Waymo's door, so to speak. Uh, There's already some commercial services deployed in China on the robo-taxi side, uh, which makes this partnership you mentioned with Julie and Waymo really interesting, by the way. And that's that's perhaps a whole other story. Um, But uh, other Waymo competitors uh, on the trucking side, we see two simple doing driverless uh, practice routes between Phoenix and Tucson right now. Uh, we see Gattic doing driverless runs in Arkansas on middle mile trucking routes. So, so yes, I think, th- you know, to answer your question, there are competitors who are uh, close to doing what Waymo's doing, but, but they're not doing it across all the applications that, that Waymo is trying to uh, bring to the market on, on the same, if not similar, timeframes.
1: So Waymo's been through a lot, uh, of course, starting as the Google self-driving car project and becoming its, its own entity. Uh, it's recent, more recently had kind of a, a change of leadership. Uh, John Krafcik, uh left the company last year. And, you know, so as we look at this year, we're still early in 2022. What, what should we be looking for from Waymo? What's gonna, what are the signs of progress that we might see?
3: Sure. Uh, yeah, that was a a kind of big development last year, right about this time of year that, uh, John Krafchick stepped aside and Takidra Mawakana and Dimitri Dolgoff became co-CEOs of Waymo. And, uh, and so far that arrangement seems to be working quite well. Um, the developments that I would expect to see this year, Jamie, I think first and foremost, start on the logistics front. Obviously, uh, The the bottlenecks in logistics are are front page news every day right now. And we're seeing a lot of interest in um, automated driving applications and trucking. So I'd expect we'll see more partnerships like the one that Waymo announced just this week with C.H. Robinson. Uh, I think we'll see more work being done out of the trucking hub that Waymo's building in Texas. Uh, I think perhaps we'll see some new hardware that enables those trucks to to see farther and be more efficient. Uh, So I think that would be one big storyline. And then on the other side of things, you know, we talked about crews in San Francisco. Waymo also has what they call a a trusted tester program up and running there, where uh, they are too giving rides to members of the public uh, right now in uh, vehicles that do have human safety drivers. Uh, I would expect, uh, if not in 2022, then shortly thereafter, that Waymo will uh, do in San Francisco what they're now doing in Phoenix, which is... Take those safety drivers out and uh, get the necessary permits to run a, a commercial operation in San Francisco. So I think those two will be the big ones. Uh, if not in 2022, then uh, certainly on the the short term horizon.
1: Well, it's really interesting stuff, Pete. I'm I'm glad you uh, got a chance to to ride in the new one, and, and I'm glad it went well. I'm glad every I'm glad everything was safe, and you made it home all right.
3: Yeah, it's kind of funny. Thanks, Jamie. It was. Uh, You know, I think the the half dozen or so rides that I did, it's not it's not easy to say something pronounce something safe after that number of rides. But but my experience was pretty uneventful, and uh, look forward to getting back to uh, riding in more Waymo sometime soon.
1: Yeah, uneventful sounds like like the right goal for a a drive to the uh, Whole Foods.
3: Thanks (laughs) so much,
1: Pete.
3: (laughs) Very welcome, Jamie. Good talking to you today.
1: That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. You can get all the news on automated driving at autonews.com. And don't forget to check out Shift, a podcast about mobility, where Pete Bigelow and Leslie Allen have in-depth conversations with leaders in emerging transportation technologies. Thanks to Nathan Kadick for editing today's show. Thanks to the ANTV team and web editor Victor Galvin for their help. And thanks to you for listening and making this show part of your daily routine. Now, let's get back to work.